What is your reading then of this ruling? What is the significance of it? Because, I mean, everything has been happening after the fact. I think in multiple levels at which this attracts debate and reflection. At at the most domestic level, there's the question of non-compliance with a court order, which has garnered some attention, but probably not enough attention in terms of reviewing our democracy's uh, robust approach to separation of powers and ensuring that we do have a deferential executive when it is held to account by the judiciary. But possibly the more high-profile concern is what does this mean for South Africa's international reputation and its position in, in, in respect of the Rome Statute and the International Criminal Court. And here I think we see a very clear divide between law on the one hand and politics on the other hand. And they are at competing ends of the spectrum, and, and that's where the tension is arising. The, the legal position is, is really indisputable, in my view. The legal position is that South Africa, in accordance with the constitutional provisions, entered into and, and bound itself both nationally and internationally to a treaty to become a member of the International Criminal Court. It was an undertaking. Any legislation that we have that is inconsistent with that treaty needs to be abolished and is deemed to be inconsistent with the treaty provisions. So they, they really, the South African government had no legal wiggle room on this. Hmm. The, their, failure to, their failure to implement this, though, is clearly a political issue. And that political issue is not just about not wanting to offend a fellow African leader, but it's also about the role and the position of the AU representing the region against the international and global uh, community. That's what I want to talk about because Judge Fabrice is saying that uh, when the Rome Statute was domesticated, it then trumped those of the provisions of the Immunities Act. And yet, what the government has been arguing, you speak about the uh, importance of the AU, that at some point they did change their position on what is imperative. Now, as you say, there's the, there's the legal aspect and there's the political. At what point do they intersect in the sense that should government then have tried to change the law in order to reflect their new position? Well, they can't change the law in a manner that is inconsistent with their treaty obligations. So if they wanted to change their law domestically, they would then have to amend their engagement and commitment with the, engagement with and commitment to the Rome Statute, which which is a procedure in and of itself. So you can take steps to, as, as a state, you can certainly take steps to reassess your treaty obligations. But those steps must happen before one can change legislation. It's a little bit like saying we've signed up to the, the Convention Against Torture, but, but we have a piece of legislation that allows police brutality in cases of terrorism. No, they're inconsistent. And the international obligations always trump Uh, your national imperatives where you've consented to be bound by those international provisions. What happens now, given the fact that uh, obviously government failed to abide by the court order, they sought leave to appeal that court order, and uh, the ruling by the High Court in Pretoria is they don't think that 
any other court would find differently. What options are then now available to government because they they believe that they clearly want to pursue this line? Well, they can appeal directly for leave to appeal to the Supreme Court of Appeals. So in essence, it means they go up the court hierarchy and they ask somebody who is in a more senior judicial position than the high court for leave to appeal. And if the, the Supreme Court of Appeal sees validity in that request, they'll grant it. And that would override Fabricius's judgment. Fabricius is saying it's, it's beyond the realm of consideration that another court would find differently. Uh, but, but that's the option available to the government. I mean, the logical question, the logical positioning, in my view, would really be for the government to sit down with the Southern African Litigation Center and other relevant stakeholders and players and have a discussion about what they did and how they can avoid such a conflict in the future. There's a court order against them. They're perfectly entitled. This is our democratic system. They're perfectly entitled to pursue this litigation until the, the nth degree. The question is whether that's strategically clever.